This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm Dr. Gloria with my daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, I know we have been very interested in uh, SIDS recently with First Candle, and uh, we're getting this wonderful award from our guests that will in her name by, from First Candle, um, and we are very excited about it. And why don't you talk about Marion a little bit? And... I will, Mom, and, and we are so honored to have the guest on today for the award we're getting. We are receiving the Dr. Marion Sokol Award, and that is who we are having on our show today is Marion Sokol. And I will introduce her a little bit. She has done so much to help people find hope after loss. Dr. Marion Sokol is the executive director of the Children's Bereavement Center of Texas. The center gives both individual and group counseling help, helping nearly 1,000 children. Marion is the co-chair of the Action for Stillbirth Awareness and Prevention Coalition, and we're very honored to have her with us today. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Marion. Oh, thank you so much, Gloria and Heidi. I am honored and particularly excited about the work you do and the fact that you have been chosen for this award, which I hold near and dear. Um, I think the work you're doing is amazing. Well, you were on the board of First Candle for years. I was. I went on the board of Candle back in first Candle back in the 1990s, in fact, and was on for almost a decade. Thought I was going to rotate off, and then ended up instead just uh, taking a position of president of the organization at a time when uh, the SIDS organization wanted to expand even further to en- embrace really uh, stillbirth and bring attention to that cause. And during that time, uh, met so many families affected by stillbirth. So I'm passionate about all infant survival, I guess, and also the concept that we really need to deal globally with these issues because there are so many mothers who are pregnant around the world who need um, support during that pregnancy period, but also especially after the loss of a baby. Mm -hmm. So bereavement and healthy babies, all that to me is very, very important. And with all that, we're going to talk a little bit today about helping children and families deal with loss. And I know you were telling me that you've been running a fabulous camp for kids uh, and, you know, for them to be able to deal with their grief and loss. And I wondered, um, talk about you're in San Antonio, Texas, and shout out Mm -hmm. to the Texans. We were there with ADAC. Uh, a while back, and uh, Association right. of Death Educators. Wow, you're doing a lot there. A thousand kids you help annually. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, we do. Um, I guess our community is uh, small but has no lack of uh, interest and concern for children. And many years ago, in fact, 19 years ago, a group came together. And at that time, I was running a crisis center for critically, chronically ill children. But there was concern for children who also experienced loss, not just those who were themselves ill. Mm -hmm. And uh, the center was open, then it was very small, eventually grew, and there was a little house that became the Children's Bereavement Center. And now we're in a 10,000-square-foot home-like building, sort of akin to a Ronald McDonald house, I guess you would say. 
but um, when you walk in our home, it, it feels and smells like home because dinner is usually cooking every mm. evening, mm. and the groups meet at night, and we have an array of expressive arts uh, rooms upstairs. So we will have anywhere between 20 and 35 children in the evening with their families, and also on Sunday afternoon. They come here, and the children first learn to be able to speak in a, about the loss uh, because many of them just cannot find words. Yeah. Now, and, I wanted to ask you, what are you seeing as the major? Is it sibling loss or parent loss? What are you seeing as the major losses? I would say overall we have majority parent loss, although we have a pretty robust uh, sibling group as well. In fact, with our sibling group, we started using pet therapy with dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the children come here, and it could be after a suicide, a homicide, a chronic death, uh, a chronic illness, or a sudden death. And so we, have, we even have separate evenings for those groups, and we have some mixed groups if you can't make a particular night. But we have found that different types of losses uh, affect children differently. Mm, let's get into that a little bit. We don't have too okay. much time, so let's talk about it. How, does, how would you say uh, a sudden death impacts kids as compared with uh, chronic illness? And and do you want to? I mean, it's different for different age groups. Are we talking about most of your kids? What age groups are they in? I would say the majority are ages seven to fourteen. Okay, all right. So they understand reversibility and that people aren't mm-hmm. coming back. So right. Uh, right. as as because I want to let the parents know that are listening, there is a difference, and you know, uh, with the younger kids, don't understand mm-hmm. a lot. So we're talking about. I've got a child who's seven to fourteen. Let's let's focus kind of on that group. What uh, what do you see as is there a difference between a suicide loss, a sudden death, um, you know, overdose? I don't know what is your, you know, I know it's a big right. topic. Yeah. Well, what the group that we call uh, beyond self harm or suicide. That group is, is unique and very difficult. Often they're struggling with blame and uh, trying to make sense out of it. And many times there's nothing that they could have done, and they certainly aren't at fault. But that is always a, a concern with that group. Um, Are they the chronic, angry at the, at the sibling? Um, sometimes. We do get that anger, right? There is, there is anger. Um, we had one little girl say, you know, she promised me, even though she was upset, that she would be there for my wedding. Uh-huh. Um, and it's particularly difficult when some of the children in the family are at home and actually see, you know, see wow, the event yes. or, or, you know, close to how it. Do you, how do you deal with trauma if they find the child? All right. Well, all of our, our counselors are trained in this area. And I should also add that we have individual counseling, Gloria, in addition to the support groups. So some of the children aren't ready for the groups. We feel that the groups are very good in terms of normalizing and letting the children know that there are others who have experienced it. But many children are not told the cause of death. And Many adults of, aren't told mm-hmm. the cause right. of death. We were talking, and, and, and I've got to say, out, I think sometimes yeah, it's later. scary for kids when they don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you yeah. know, because their imagination gets the best of them, and they're fearful. Oh my gosh, I could maybe I could die. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how this person mm-hmm. died. 
Right. And we just had this camp that I was uh, sharing with Gloria, and we had children away for three days at an overnight camp. And these are children that particularly have problems accessing the center because they don't have transportation, say, during the week. And so we spent some intense time with them. And one of the children asked us in a, in a group session, why would somebody hang themselves? What makes them do that? Mm. That's so, a very just, good question, and most yeah. people couldn't handle that. In your setting, right. y- in your setting, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And a safe and place then, for them to ask it. Yep. Right. Getting back, though, to your specific question about the different types of losses, we find that when children are affected by violence, they're, also, they're often fearful uh, of leaving the remaining parent mm. alone or even of being in their own home. Um, with the children who are experiencing chronic illness, we do provide what we call anticipatory support with individual counseling. Many of the children don't want to go to school mm-hmm. because they're afraid of missing uh, you know, a- any moments that they might have with the loved one. So there are lots of emotions, and that's why our center combines individual counseling as well as groups and tries to address the losses. Now, how but, if I'm listening to this show, how would I know, because the parents are grieving, and how, how would I know that uh, my kid who's 7 to 14 is in trouble? Mm, good question. Um, we, we believe that grieving is a normal experience for the most part, and there is going to be hurt, there'll be tears, there'll be physiological, you know, impact, tummy aches, sleeplessness, all of that. But when that exists for, uh, you know, a period of, say, beyond several weeks, when the child can't function in normal life, when the child is afraid, then we really are sure that, you know, something is going on with that child, and that's when they we know that to prevent more dysfunctional outcomes, we need to lessen the anxiety and reduce the tension and give them a, a comfortable, safe place where they can reduce, you know, just reduce their emotional stress and get support. And so we work a lot with creative arts. We have music rooms, art therapy, um, motion. We even have a padded rumpus room where a child can come and punch punching bags and bang their head against the wall, because, again, we feel as though this is part of of grieving. It's dealing with those pent-up emotions. Um, I like to sometimes think of when children come here, there's a lot of discussion about stages of grief. I like to think in terms of stages of healing. Oh, I like that, don't you, Heidi? Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, and that... And that one of the first steps is to be able to understand and express the loss. Mm. A lot of the children don't know what happened or they don't understand what happened. You know, why, you know, I have four-year-old little twins who lost a mother to cancer. You know, how, how do you explain that? So getting the language at, at the developmentally appropriate age is, mm-hmm. is first important to help them understand the death. And then as we move on, we try to extract or listen to the children as they talk about what is it that you loved about your sister who died or your brother who died or mom and dad? What parts of him do you remember the That's most? That's nice, getting to that uh, less traumatic mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. Now, what here, here I've got a boy and, uh, and or any child, but oftentimes is a boy who's 12 and he doesn't want to come. Ah. <laughs> 
Well, you know, that's when we try to show them that there are other kids going through this. Mm -hmm. So when they come into the center and they see the rumpus room and the art room and the music room, first of all, a lot of children feel that they're coming to the bereavement center and they're going to have to cry, and, and that's certainly not what we expect up front. That sometimes happens. But when they get here and see other children, and especially if they have a similar type death loss, like the suicide mm-hmm. or the homicide, then they want to come. And, well, and, and Marion, I love your I love your facility. I've seen it online, and for oh, those of you that you. haven't seen it, please please look at it because it's so inviting. It looks fun. It looks like a place where, as a kid, I'd want to go. It is. And as we walk through this memorializing the person you love, we do a lot of art therapy and journaling and picture frames and murals and all kinds of things to remember the good things, the Mm -hmm. good memories. And we also, if you go into our garden here, our backyard, you'll see a playscape. But beyond that, you'll see a big chalkboard. And it's one of about five or 600 around the world. And on the top in big letters, it says, before I die. And then there are places to write. And the children love to write on that. And that's sort of the next stage. So after you understand the death and can verbalize it, after you remember the good things and can memorialize it, then we go to the next step about what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What hope Mm. do you have? And before I die, I've seen everything on there from I want to open a barber shop. I want to see my mommy happy. I want to go around the world. And that's the upbeat side talking. So to them we about had, where I, don't, do you go? I don't know if you uh, heard of Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote The Body Keeps Score. And uh, he w- deals with trauma. And what I brings me up from, you know, comes up for me when I hear this is the fact that he says that this, you need people lose imagination after they've had a loss because they're so stuck in the trauma narrative. So it sounds like all of these things you're doing are helping these children to move into not only verbalize it, but then also to, you know, to begin to imagine again, mm-hmm. which is... They is, love yeah. sand tray work, and we do spin art. We talk about colors of emotion, and we'll bring a whole family in to sit around the table and have we have crayons there, and they can pick up a crayon and doodle, and we'll launch off from there onto the thought about why did you pick that color and let's take a color of paint so I might choose green if I'm envious that all the other kids have moms to go to school or you know on parent night or I might choose blue if I'm just blue and depressed and each member of the family gets to put some squirts of colored paint in the spinner and we then spin that and make a, a spin art photo, and we tell them this is a picture of their grief. I love that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Marion, the other thing that you said that I love that I wanted to get back to is the pet therapy piece. Because when my brother Scott died, my parents got a dog, and it was so mm-hmm. healing because, you know, mm-hmm. people tend to run away from people that have had a loss, and they don't they don't want to deal with your family. And, they, and, you know, having a dog in your life, not only do dogs give unconditional love— but they also bring people towards us. Mm-hmm. They right. want to talk about. They give you something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to uh, talk to you before we end the show about um, your camps because I know if you live in uh, Texas in that area, 
uh, San Antonio area, you're going to want to go to the bereavement center. But also you can look for other bereavement centers in your area because I think you'll hear about how healing they are. And I know the Dougie Center in Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, we've been there. And so um, I guess w- people could uh, get in touch with their local hospice or hospital to find right. out if there's what? anything going on in their area. Mm-hmm. They can, but an easy way to do that is to go on, log on to the National Alliance of Grieving Children. Just Google the National Alliance of Grieving Children because most of our centers around the country are members of that, and we consider them sister organizations. We refer to each other. Um, it's really a great resource, and they're well-run. So, you know, I'm happy to refer people to that, but if they'll just look online for the National Alliance of Grieving great. Children, and it's www.nationalallianceforgrievingchildren.org will get you there. We actually uh, did a whole uh, YouTube shoot with them at their last conference. Oh, so there are okay. a lot of YouTubes online uh, on Open to Hope from the National Alliance of Grieving Children's Wonderful. program. Wonderful. But I also want to talk about your camp because can't you come to your camps from all around? Yes. Uh, we have openings. We run, uh, we over the past few years, run two camps on site. Our building's about 10,000 square foot. So we literally sleep them here, give them pillow pets and sleeping bags. And it's like a big playhouse to the children. We do that usually spring break and summer. And then this fall, just over the Columbus Day weekend, we had a three-day camp outdoors with healing circles. We did that in conjunction with Seasons Hospice Foundation. And they flew in music therapists. And we took uh, 47 children to this camp. Pretty intense, uh, but wonderful, wonderful. Do you have any scholarships for that? The camp was actually free. Oh, we fantastic. Actually, uh, we're supported by a local Kiwanis organization and Wonderful. generous friends of the center. So there was no cost for our children to be there. Great. Well, give us your give us your website so that uh, people know how to get in touch with you. And as Heidi said, you've just got to go on it. It's a mm-hmm. fabulous website, and it's so much fun oh, to see the center. And, uh, and, you know, getting in touch with you to do a camp would be absolutely amazing. Do people sign up for this next year now or, you know? We, well, we'll have it back online after the first of the year. We Great. just finished our camp about 10 days ago. So, oh, okay. Uh, we All don't right. have the dates reserved for next year, but okay. yes, absolutely. So um, you can find us at www.cb. CST.org. That stands for Children's Bereavement Center, SouthTexas.org. All right. Well, Marion, thank you for, so much for being on the show today and, and for all the work you're doing to help uh, children deal with loss. If you want to stay on after we close the show, Heidi and I'll chat with you for a minute. That would be great. Thank you all. Thanks, Marion, and thanks for all the work that you're doing for, to help so many find hope after loss. Yeah. Thank you. And great, isn't it, Heidi? The work that Marianne's doing and the center, and it's just uh, so yeah, it's wonderful. Amazing. So wonderful to get kids to be able to talk and and heal mm-hmm. after a loss, and it takes some pressure off the parents too, because they're, you know, the the adult that's lost the child is so worried about the other kids, and but so, you know, grieving themselves, grieving is a is a hard process. So, I agree with you. It takes the, the anxiety and pressure off the parents if they know that they're in good hands with yeah. organizations and centers like this one. Uh, so even though it may be hard for you to reach out now, you might want to, you know, find that little piece of energy that you've got or maybe ask a friend to help you.
or a family member. Well, thanks for listening to the show today. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley with Dr. Heidi Horsley, and uh, we want to say if you've lost hope, please lean on ours till you find your own, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.